You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, a podcast hosted by me, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps online course creator, consultant, and a Docker captain. This podcast contains clips from my weekly YouTube live show, where I host a real-time Ask Me Anything style chat with guests and anyone who shows up on YouTube chat, many of whom are students of my Docker courses. You can find out more information, including show notes for this episode at brettfisher.com slash podcast. That's B-R-E-T-F-I-S-H-E-R dot com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I'm joined by Phil Estes of IBM, Scott Colton of Microsoft, and DevOps engineer Sujay Pillai. The topics here range from Kubernetes and the CNCF to Containerd, running Docker without root, and Linux security in containers. Enjoy. Today uh, on the panel, uh, let's see, let's, which order should I go in? We'll, uh, we have at the top, <laughs> up here, we got uh, Sujay Palal from, he's a senior DevOps engineer and also Docker captain. He's been a Docker captain for a year now. Happy anniversary. Um, and he also is a Docker community leader for Docker Penang and the, the meetup group there and re- recently cleared the DCA certification. Congratulations. I didn't know that. Thank uh, you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brett, for having me. Yes, and it is not a normal daylight hour, in case you're watching this from the other side of the globe than Eastern United States. Uh, he's over there, and it is late. Um, we have Phil up in the top corner, the top right corner over there. Uh, Phil Estes from IBM. He's been working upstream and open source on Docker, the OCI, and CNCF forever, including the Containerd project, which is his new amazing uh, project that he's co- uh, co-maintaining with a couple of other great people and related work about multi- he's doing related work around multi-platform images and security. He's also the guy that has the best stuff around user namespaces for Docker in case you're familiar with user namespaces, which is an optional feature because he wrote it. And then he wrote some great blog articles. It's some of my favorite stuff to reference people on how to improve security. He's a do- been a Docker captain for three years and involved with the Docker open source project for four and a half years. He represents IBM in several open foundations and community leadership boards and helps IBM product organizers organizations use containers, Docker, and now Containerd in our managed cloud offering like the IBM Cloud Kubernetes service. Thanks so much for coming to the show, Phil. Yep, great to be here. And if you didn't know, Phil is also in Virginia with me. We actually live hours apart, although we never see each other <laughs> except at either the beach or at DockerCon. <laughs> yep. Um, and last and certainly not least, we have Scott Colton from Microsoft now. He's uh, now a principal cloud advocate at Microsoft. That's pretty fantastic. I have just moved to Microsoft about five months ago, he says, to help developers be successful and it's been a pleasure to be a Docker captain for three years, and I am in Australia. So when I'm on the stream, it'll be 3 a.m. So, <laughs> so Scott is literally the middle of the night for you. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And for everyone wondering what that is in the background, because I'm sure we'll get that question, what do we got behind you there? Uh, this is my Funko Pop Vinyl collection. So this is my home office. It just uh, clears up. Um, it makes it a little bit brighter when I'm working from home. So there's some... Rick and Morty, there's some Marvel, there's some Stranger Things there. So all my favorite shows. All all your favorite shows, which all of those uh, have hopefully something coming out this year. Hopefully we'll get the new season of Rick and Morty. Hopefully we'll, we we know uh, we've got all the Marvel movies, obviously, and we know that um, coming soon is another Stranger Things. So looking forward to all those. It's a a good year for you. (laughs) It's a good year for you. Well, uh, yeah, because we're so we all know each other. In case you didn't know that, we're all Docker captains, and we see each other at Docker, and have been seeing each other there for years. And we talk online constantly in the Docker community chat. So you can just Google that probably and find a way to get into the Docker community chat or find it on Docker's website. It's basically a Slack channel where we all talk about Docker all day long and other things like Kubernetes, Swarm, you know. OpenShift, you name it, like all the tools. Uh, there's people talking about that on there. And uh, this week, of course, we have DockerCon in two weeks. So if you're thinking last minute, I should go to San Francisco to DockerCon, and I sure would love a big discount, uh, use the discount code YouTube, and that 
I believe, is the coupon for getting, I think, at least 20% off. If that doesn't work, because I haven't actually checked today to make sure it does still work, let me know on Twitter. I'm just at Brett Fisher at Twitter, and I will help you get a discount to DockerCon because we certainly want to see you there. The rule is if you see us on this show and you're going to end up being at DockerCon, you got to come up and at least get a high five, if not a selfie with myself uh, and one of our other panel members. I'm volunteering them for selfies, so <laughs> you're, uh, you're welcome. So uh, the one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, first off was um, I'm going to jump over to the browser was um, see if I get that right was uh, Stack Overflow's develop annual developer survey and of course it it's hard to be in tech and not have used Stack Overflow at least once in fact I think for most of us it's a daily website it, it might as well be google at this point to us there are so, so many things on stack overflow um and uh if you haven't there's actually multiple websites on stack overflow so i used to be on server fault back when i was purely sys admin and ops and server faults were what they hang out stack overflow is where majority of developers hang out but it's kind of been the it's the big. It's the big place. It's there's a, dozens of other sites that you can use on their platform, but Stack Overflow is the number one. And what's interesting in these results, uh, I'll put this link in chat, is how much container technology. Obviously, open source is big, but how much container technology, like, reigned in the top of the results. Basically, if you took out operating systems, I feel like all the top topics were were container related. I'm going to put this in chat. So uh, have any of you all looked at those results and have any thoughts on the... Uh, I just went through links, just had a glance, didn't go through, just waiting for a link to come up. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it was either most loved or most... Um, I think Docker got most loved and most people most interested in wanting to use in production, didn't it? They run to... Two fairly good awards. Yeah, it's a long... I'm scrolling because it's like a long... Search for Docker. Yeah, so I feel like operating systems... I don't know. Well, the platforms one makes sense. <laughs> but a lot of them, it's like... Uh, yeah, so... Uh, what was this question? The most common platforms... Well, that's most common. That's fine. Uh, but right behind operating systems was Docker which I thought was pretty pretty crazy. More than Android. More than um, AWS, Mac OS, yeah. Most dreaded. Um, <laughs> love, most loved, dreaded, and wanted. So this was the one I saw. Uh, most loved, Linux was number one. Uh, Docker was number two. Right behind it was Kubernetes. And then Raspberry Pi, AWS, Mac OS, iOS. I'm actually surprised iOS is up there. Um, Google plat Platform, uh, Azure, Slack. <laughs> Most dreaded. Let's look at dreaded. WordPress, number one. <laughs> That's sad. That's sad. Wanted. Docker. That was a pretty cool one. So, um, so yeah, uh, check those out. Obviously, I put, I put this, uh, the note in, Slack, or in uh, chat. We're talking about Slack, so now I'm thinking Slack. Uh, in YouTube chat, because that uh, definitely gives you, it's one of many places, but it's what's interesting is it's almost exclusively developers that are answering those questions. It's not, it's probably not going to be marketers. It's probably not, uh, you know, industry analysts in there. It's probably not IT executive. It's people that are getting stuff done that are probably answering that because they're on the site seeing the, the pop-up. Hey, answer our developer survey. So I feel like those results are really interesting. I mean, other, you know, DigitalOcean does a great one. Sysdig does a great one. But they're all, you know, the audience, you have to really think about the audience and who took the survey when you look at those results. Um, CNCF had one last year. And they, um, theirs obviously is going to be very skewed to containers and Kubernetes because, you know, a lot of people that don't do containers don't even know what CNCF is. So I would say that a lot of people that do containers don't know what CNCF is. So... <laughs> Phil, uh, you're involved with CNCF. Can you give us that definition? Like, what uh, what is the CNCF? Can you talk about that? 
Yeah. Well, I guess we'll start with what those letters mean. So it's it's the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. Um, and it, it was actually started the same summer as the OCI, the Open Container Initiative. And obviously one of the initial uh, pieces of the CNCF was a, a vendor neutral home for Kubernetes. And so uh, Google, you know, put the, the code and the copyrights and the, the images and everything related to Kubernetes became the property of the CNCF. And so since then, it's become really an umbrella over a lot of what you might see as cloud-native open source projects. So uh, things you've probably heard of Prometheus, uh, FluentD. Um, uh, yeah, I think the CNCF is up to, uh, I feel like we passed 20 projects. Maybe it's around 20. Uh, and, and now there's levels. So... You have sandbox projects that are just like coming in and, and seeing if they are going to grow in sort of user acceptance and, and use. Uh, Container D is there, donated by Docker. Um, but yeah, so it's effectively an umbrella of open source. It's got good governance, uh, kind of a technical leadership board that helps projects along their journey to graduation. Uh, Container D is one of six CNCF projects that has reached that maturity level to be called graduated. Um, but yeah, that, that's effectively your one to two minute CNCF overview. And you help run the container D. Uh, didn't that recently graduate? When did that graduate? That graduated basically the last day of February, I think. So like February 28th. Uh, so it's about a, just over a month and a half uh, since we graduated. Yeah. And they have on that page, um, the sort of the yeah the the chasm <laughs> like the but to talk about uh, incubation to graduation um, and how uh, you can basically helping evolve this basically creating uh, better quality at the end of the result is just trying to create better quality open source projects right yep giving the support yep. they need get rid of uh, roadblocks stuff like that there's a ton of stuff on here and uh, if you go to uh, landscape.cncf.io <laughs> That's a whole other world right there. The landscape.cncf.io is a way to find tools that are considered cloud native, which is a vague description that's hard for... I mean, I read an entire book on it and I still don't feel like I could do it in two sentences. Um, <laughs> around, yeah, around it's, it's assumed containers at this point, I think, but also uh, distributed, scalable, automated... Not it doesn't actually seem to be just a definition of you're running a server in the cloud. Uh, it it's taking all the aspects when we think of places like net uh, Netflix and Google and all these large infrastructure companies that are running apps uh, at scale worldwide. We always think that would be like the ultimate definition. I think of cloud native, but most of us don't do that. So it's like yep. it's it's so you know big question is is my app cloud native and it's. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> um, so I'm sure all of us use something in here. Um, obviously, Container D is at the core of everything. In case you're not familiar with Container D, I'll do a let's see if I can do a promo for Phil. Container D <laughs> is the underpinnings of Docker and now its own standalone engine, if we want to call it that, for managing the starting and stopping and all the little bits around a container. And under under it actually executes run C in the background. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so run C is is the actual system level executor that actually starts the container process, and container D sits above that. Yeah, and then if you're using Docker as your engine, Docker actually sits on top of container D. Yeah, and uh, in fact, if you were to look through your your uh, process list on a Linux machine when you're running Docker. Um, you will see, you should see executables for Docker D running container D as well as run C and multiple ones uh, in there, in fact. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think because we all just download Docker D and we just, that's the only thing we really think we're starting. A lot of people, that's a, that's a surprise to them how many other layers and abstractions in the technology we have. So thank you for yeah. your open source and all the things you're doing there. Yeah. Um, so the latest engine, what do you install with Docker 1809? 
that's you are installing three different packages like container yeah. d as a different one docker engine yeah. and docker cli yeah which yeah, version was that the, the latest one you can check out as well you can um, run ctr now so the container d uh, yeah. binaries there with ctr so you can actually check out container d if you if you want to play around with it with uh, just the latest docker version oh so if you if, once you have docker you have that that tool you don't have to yep, actually yeah, pull down that yeah, yeah. So, so you can play it start playing around natively with container d if that's something that you you want you're interested in and you want to play around with more yeah and may, it might be worth noting that you know one of the reasons that the packaging was split out is that um you know docker has been using container d for a couple of years now but it was it was sort of a piece that you didn't necessarily need to know about docker was laying it down on your system when you installed you know docker engine um but now that it's in its own package and it's not being renamed with sort of docker hyphen in front of the the binary names it's essentially meant to be your system level container d that docker can use as scott said you can use it yourself you can play around with container d on your own or you know for example if you installed uh, Kubernetes on that same system, it could share the same container D installation uh, of your system. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the, the way, like basically the industry is learning and we're maturing, right? We're figuring out what pieces everybody can share and what pieces are more opinionated and that we might all have different opinions on and that we can split that stuff out. So it's, um, it's it's taken years to get sort of that dream to fruition fruition of container D being its own independent thing that's got all the bells and whistles that we really need and that uh, you can build on top of it, which is yep. kind of like what this whole stack is. Like all these tools are really just one, but they can be moved you know in and out, but they end up being this very large tech stack of tools to solve your container uh, running and management problems, <laughs> whether it's monitoring, logging. Uh, debugging, tracing, all that stuff. So definitely check that out. CNCF is a great home to get started on. Just don't be overwhelmed. We don't. We can't all know everything. Uh, don't think that if you're new to this area of tech that you need to know all these tools. Half of these tools I've probably never used. Uh, I don't think either any one of us, even if we made it our life's goal, could possibly be experts in all these things. Um, in fact, the one of the things I think I believe that I've understood with CNCF is that one of the goals is to have at least two projects, not necessarily competing projects, but two options for each layer of the stack so that you have choice, like whether it's monitoring or tracing or stuff like that. I, uh, I, I read that at one point. I don't know if that's still true, but uh, as projects get more mature, it's great to have options on that as well. Um, are, yeah. are any of you talking at Docker? Yeah, I'm talking. What are you talking on? So... My title is like things I learned working with Docker support. So most of my experience is working with Docker E platform. So I would be speaking how to get started with Docker E. Uh, what's the platform about? What are the different components involved in it? And then I'm sharing my talk with one of the Docker support. Uh, she's called Ada. And so I will kind of share the best practices and what difficulties I had faced in while running and maintaining the Docker E system. Um, some mistakes what I made in the system, like once I had synced up 130,000 users from the our Active Directory test system. It was a test system and how I had to clear it up. So those kind of mistakes were things you should take care about while working with the platform. Yeah. Um, other things are like, uh, if you look around the DTR in Docker E, uh, there's no like metrics gathering around, like how many images are there in the system. So how you can, like there is information available, but it's not displayed on the UI. So how you can take a connect to the backend, which is a rethink DB and pull those metrics out of the system. Yeah. And cool. then I will hand over to Ada, who will also share her views about. And uh, okay, so if you're going to DockerCon, do you know what day that is you're talking? I'm talking on April 30th 
and it's the last session for the day, I think so. Okay. Okay. Um, and give us the name of your session again so I can remember it. Things I learned working with Docker support. Things you learned working with Docker support, which is uh, something that, you know, like a lot of us are used to big enterprise support. If you're on the Microsoft side, you're certainly used to calling Microsoft. If you're, um, if you're on like the Red Hat side, you're used to calling Red Hat. And once you get a Docker platform, like Docker Enterprise or some other tool, that becomes such a large layer of your of your management of your system administration that um, it's almost like it's uh, the way I look at it. Is it's it's like establishing that new layer of support is that you, you're going to be dealing with them possibly more than you're dealing with the operating system once everything's running in in containers. That's uh, um, you know, that's my theory at least. <laughs> So that's cool. Um, Scott, are you doing a session? I am not doing a session. I am doing a workshop. So I'm doing Kubernetes Security 101, and I'm doing that every day of the conference. Um, so, <laughs> so if you want to learn about, um, we're not going to go into too much like really like low level like user namespace and and things uh, security with Kubernetes, but we're going to go through like saying defaults on Kube API on your Kubelet. Uh, walk through pod security policy, walk through some set comp stuff. Um, then we'll walk through some secure, um, pod security policy with um, Calico. Um, then look at some stuff with mutual TLS with Envoy in case you want to use proxying for egress and ingress. And that should just about take up the two hours, but there's a few other bits and pieces I'm adding at the moment. So, right. Yeah. We're always all changing our stuff last minute for, I mean, for any conference, but. Particularly for DockerCon, because also things keep dropping. Like new, the container ecosystem is hard. It's hard to go to a conference in the container ecosystem and talk about something and know that you have the latest stuff. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah you're t by the time you finished your talk, it's already outdated. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's I'm yeah I'm doing that on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So if you want to come, check it out. It's Kubernetes Security One Hundred and One. Yeah. So do you have to get registered? Scott for that or it's yeah. like open? No, I think you need to register for the workshops. Oh, do you um, know if there's still availability or I should know that, shouldn't I? But well, I, I do I, not. I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> I I'm running the swarm workshop. I don't actually know if it's full. So I'm doing the swarm how did you get to do it three days? Is it just because it's so popular? I have no idea. They just asked me, can you do it three days? And I think on the Monday now I'm gonna talk about something that's not confirmed yet. But Microsoft might be hosting a CNAB workshop in the Microsoft Reactor at San Francisco, and I'll be hosting that on the Monday evening. That is not as yet confirmed, but watch this space. If you follow me yeah. on Twitter, at Scott Colton, um, I'll have details on that. But I'm working on that with uh, Patrick Chazone at the moment, and we're trying to get something kicked off for that. So if you're interested in CNAB as well, um, we might have something there. That will be free, and you probably will need to register. But I'll, as I said, I'll put all the stuff up on Twitter. Yeah, in fact, uh, while you're mentioning CNAB, um, it's funny. Uh, I have to do like CNAB Docker, I guess, because it doesn't um, doesn't have a website. Yeah, CNAB.io. There we go. The, uh, Google hasn't uh, quite figured out that CNAB is not. I mean, it is a it's a it's a stock symbol for a company, so it's part <laughs> yeah. of the problem is uh, we didn't check the internet before we created an acronym. So shame on us. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was announced at DockerCon uh, along with Microsoft, right? At uh, DockerCon 2018. Yeah, um, so I, I think it's uh, Microsoft, Docker, and HashiCorp. All right. Okay. Three. Yep. 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 They're down here, somewhere down at the bottom of the page. Yeah, and now it's got Benami on there and CodeFresh. Okay. There you go. More faithful yeah, jumping. Microsoft Azure. So they're bringing on partners. And this is this is a little low level stuff. So if you're someone who's new to orchestration, uh, probably not something you need to be terribly worried about this year. It's just a new standard that we're trying to create in the ecosystem to be able to describe applications better in an easier way, so that you don't need five different tools to do a standard. You know, hey, I got my app. I need to get it on a server and we can hopefully consolidate the different formats down and all that stuff. And we really haven't seen a lot, at least I haven't in way of tooling yet. That's sort of in user friendly tools that will let us get the job done in CNAB format format. So I know there's something called Docker app that we actually had on this show 
three weeks ago now with Michael Irwin, and we talked all about Docker app and the CNAB in the background. So if you're curious about that, jump on that URL, find my YouTube channel, and search that YouTube channel for uh, CNAB, because I think uh, Michael Irwin, another Docker captain from Virginia, whoop, um, he was on and showing off some great demos on how sort of one way you could use CNAB with a Docker app program. So, Securite. Well, I'm only doing two workshops, so I'm grateful. I thought I was going to be, I thought I was the busiest person. My goal is to be, my goal is to be the busiest one of us. So, um, I, I'm pretty close to that goal. Like every minute of every day is already booked. We, we're doing hallway tracks this year, like always. So if you're going to DockerCon, definitely got to do at least a couple hallway tracks because that's when you just get to hang out with people and talk instead of being presented to. You get to actually have a two-way conversation. And another great thing at DockerCon is uh, Docker Pals. If I don't know if it's too late to sign up for that, but if you're new to DockerCon and you want to learn stuff from people, um, there's a whole heap of great mentors that go around and they're your, like, is it, what do they call the Docker Pals leaders? Is it, it's not leaders. I forget yeah. what they call the word, but you get, you get a person guys. that's been guys? around. Guys, guys, yeah. You've been a, you get a person that's been around DockerCon a few years and understands where everything is, who everyone is, and you get to meet them and then hang out and you ask them whatever questions you want and they help you out making sure your DockerCon experience is the best. It's a, it's a good program. I'm involved yeah. in it. Is anyone else doing Docker Pals? Yeah, I, yeah I've, I've done it a few times. I've been a guide, um, and I've just been slow to like figure out if I can fit it in this time. Uh, so I haven't officially signed up. But yeah, I mean, that's a great, great program. Uh, can be really helpful to especially new people. Uh, so I like doing it for that reason. CJ, you were saying something? Yeah, I didn't sign up yet for Docker Pile. Yeah, it's. I mean, the guides. Uh, it guides is a tough job, like because you're bringing in new people. You get a you get a group, and it's daily it's daily contact. And in fact, what's interesting is the guides are kind of whatever they want to be. In other words, like if the if they if it's obviously there to help you manage all the DockerCon stuff and what to go to and where to find stuff and stuff like that which sessions are interesting or what they might, you know, where are the hallway, what are hallway tracks, how to find those, what to check it out. But I mean, they're also there. Like if you have questions and you're trying to find resources, they know people. A lot of them are Docker captains or community leaders. So they know people that are there. They've been there for years. That's one of the requirements for, for a guide is that you've been to DockerCon and you know people. So you, you, you talk to people while you're there. You don't just sit in the rooms and listen. And so it's. I think it's really great to just be a part of that uh, on either side of the fence if you have time. That's one of the keys for some of us is we, we, we're so busy presenting and hosting stuff that it's hard to also do that. So, yeah, yeah. I have, it's, I have the chat here, so use that. <laughs> uh, yes, in the, that's what, the YouTube live channel. Yep, okay. Uh, hey Phil, what are you? Uh, aren't you presenting on Container D? I'm assuming. Uh, yes. Well, um, actually, my main talk is Tuesday at noon. Um, a little bit different, but I'm excited about it. Is is kind of a open source primer. So, given I've been around the Docker community and open source communities for going on five years, thought it'd be cool to share. Kind of, hey, if you want to give back to upstream here's some you know tips and tricks and information on getting started so that's uh tuesday at noon um and then i assume if you're going to DockerCon or been on the website you've heard about the open source summit coming back to DockerCon this year on thursday and uh we'll have uh some container d heavy hitters uh we actually got michael crosby and derek mcgowan uh, both from Docker, uh, speaking on Container D, and I'm going to share about uh, IBM's journey to using Container D as the runtime for our Kubernetes offering, and now for our functions as a service offering, IBM Cloud Functions. Uh, so I will be talking at Open Source Summit as well, um, but we'll even have smarter people than me there with Michael and Derek. So uh, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, and it's always fun. I I love hearing stories. Not necessarily applicable to us, but I love hearing the stories around cloud builders and 
the tools and the techniques they're using to build their cloud, like IBM and Amazon and the others. Um, just because that's, it's like when Netflix gets on stage, it doesn't matter what they're talking about. It's cool <laughs> because they, there's so many resources. There's so many people involved that most of us don't get to operate at that level because we're much smaller teams and budgets and all that. And I think that's, you know, other than, you know, obviously NASA is always amazing when they get on stage like they did last year. Docker Khan said, oh yeah, we use Docker to blast uh, asteroids in space or whatever. So, or is it meteors? <laughs> Doggone it, I always forget. <laughs> meteors or asteroids anyway um so yeah it's it's great to it's great that you're going to be talking about that showing sort of uh, peeling back the 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 hidden veil of hosting a cloud um and of course we've got all kinds of other stuff going on at DockerCon, that, and we'll continue to talk about this next week as well as hopefully do at least one live show at DockerCon, uh assuming the wi-fi gods are uh with us and giving us good wi-fi there because to do, to do this, you have to have good Wi-Fi. To dual stream to two channels, you really have to have good Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get to some questions. I know a lot of you have been asking questions, talking in chat. So now if you have burning questions around containers and DevOps or DockerCon or anything like that, um, make sure to get them in. We're going to be looking through the chat and sort of picking some questions out. We may not get through all questions because we've got two channels of people and we've got all this stuff to go through. So... Um, sorry if we don't get to your question. Uh, I'll try to stay on afterwards. And if you kind of leave this open, the chat after the videos go away and the chat will still work and we can still type and talk and chat. If you have other questions, of course, you can reach any of us uh, on Twitter. We'll talk about Twitter at the end and ways to get a hold of everybody for further questions. Um, does anyone see anything good? I see a question about Swarm. Uh, how to get Swarm containers, Donald's question. How to get Swarm containers to access the outside world? This is a one-node swarm, and I cannot even ping Google. Anyone got tips, thoughts? You're the swarm man, Brett. Why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, aren't you giving the, yeah, the swarm like, workshop? I think I baited this one. Like, yeah, I told somebody to put that question in there. Hey, put the swarm question first. <laughs> um, Okay, so by default, Swarm is just launching containers on Docker, just like Kubernetes does, and those uh, run on virtual interfaces. So the, the most common problem when you're in a container and you can't reach the outside world is that you have an IP subnet conflict, which means that those, uh, those IP addresses that the, the container system that you're using, whether it's Docker, Kubernetes, you know, whatever, all of them, including Swarm, uh, you want to make sure that those IPs that it's using are not the same IPs as something on your network. And if you're on a private network, one of the problems I see is that it may not be the, uh, the subnet that you're on. It might be the subnet you're going to that is duplicate. So if, now if you're trying to ping Google, then in other words, what I mean is if you're trying to get through a router that is on the same subnet somewhere that you have locally, sometimes that can cr create problems just due to, uh, I'm not sure about pinging Google, that should work. But if you're trying to ping internal resources, a lot of times your, your the container won't know how to get there because that subnet is the same subnet it's on. And it just thinks that that thing is local inside the machine. So think about IP, TCP IP routing and think about the fact that there's NAT involved. So it's translating that address. And so you'll want to look at, spend some time on what, what subnets is Docker using. You can go and use inspect command, Docker inspect, to look at the different objects to figure that out. And I would go there first. Uh, after that, the next thing is you might have a corporate proxy and you need to set up Docker to use your corporate proxy to get out to the internet. That's especially common in data centers, where uh, a private data center, where you need to set up Docker and possibly Linux or Windows, depending on which one you're using, to use proxies to get out to the internet. Uh, so great question. Uh, always like to get tested on our troubleshooting knowledge live on and the internet. And another one that I had, I had this actually locally on my Debian machine, is that I had the same conflict of... IP addresses across my Docker daemon and VirtualBox. And when I first spun up stuff, it didn't work. So if it's a local machine and you've got virtualization platform and you've got NATing on your on your kernel, um, have a look locally first as well. Because that yeah. happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's uh, it's not obvious. And these tools aren't great at detecting all of that either, uh, partially due to just the limits of TCP IP that they're not like popping up and saying, hey, uh, this might be an IP conflict. You might go and check out this thing and go look over here and might change the setting. Like that, that would be a, a really great helpful thing. Uh, 
but we don't we don't have that yet. That's not that's not a thing. <laughs> that's why we all have jobs. Um, all right, let me see if there's any other questions. Anyone see a good one they want to take? Yeah, there's um, one on Docker's uh, channel that we mentioned user name namespaces a couple times. Um, Ziad says, "Can you please talk about Docker root user security?" And I thought it would be good because we mentioned user namespaces, and while obviously I'm partial to that from the work I did years ago, there's been even cooler technology um, being developed, kind of not necessarily on top of what I did, but in a related um, field uh, of this whole idea of rootless containers. And so there were there were impediments earlier uh, in the ecosystem of Linux and the Linux kernel to really uh, pulling all that together. Um, but uh, I'm going to post Tonis's blog in the chat while I keep talking for a few seconds. Um, but really, I would say that, that rootless containers, uh, if you can get your underlying system dependencies to the right place, um, rootless is really a... Uh, Kind of the ne a better next step than just pure user namespaces in Docker. Um, it relies on Run C work that allows Run C to be rootless, uh, working Container D, and now Docker is the latest piece of that building of those building blocks that uh, a PR was merged um, early this year to bring that to fruition. So, and I think the latest um, Docker nineteen oh three beta. You can actually download and, and play around with rootless Docker. And so, again, the important thing here is that no piece of your container stack is running as root. Uh, once you're running the Docker daemon rootless, run C is rootless. Uh, and so this is really, uh, I think, hopefully where people are going to be heading um, in the future um, to, to improve security of their whole stack. Because, uh, obviously, we can't predict whether there's some future container escape or some layer of the stack, like in the Kubernetes API, um, that will allow you know exposures in your system. And so, making sure that no pieces of your stack are running as root really closes down a lot of holes for even exploits that can can escape your container now have no. Um, you know, no possibility to be running administrative commands on your system. And so I would highly uh, advocate, you know, again, a lot of these pieces are new, but I think hopefully we'll see this year and, and next year even uh, people sort of building whole clusters uh, around this rootless concept um, so that, uh, again, your containers aren't root, the, the pieces you're running on aren't root. Um, and, yeah, there's my old original blog post. That is uh, probably the most read piece of text I've ever written. So that's was kind of exciting back in the day. Uh, the user namespaces have arrived in Docker blog. Um, yeah, and and uh, a rootless. I mean, the thing about rootless containers is we all won't necessarily be able to do that. So uh, yep. yeah, depending on our requirements, we probably need to just, if, especially if you're new, you're going to just start with a Docker daemon that's you know or container D that are running root. And and then as you get better, you sort of there's actually a, I think I have a, a security list I think actually I can pull up where the, the really the goal of when you're doing any sysadmin or any cloud admin or DevOps or whatever that you start with the big heavy hitter easy stuff first and then you work your way down and I it's not always obvious to the new person that maybe something like custom secops. Profiles or some or app armor profile or something is the first thing they should do, and that's not. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a whole no. lot of other stuff, and I'm sure this is probably going to be. You're probably going to talk about this, Scott, in 101. Is um, that you know Docker out of the box just by using it, you already get a better security posture than not having containers because you get this another another layer of abstraction, another way that it's actually using default security profiles like app armor. And uh, that you weren't necessarily using on the host. Most people don't know how to turn these things all on the host. And I find that Docker out of the box actually makes it better. Then you probably graduate to something like adding the user into your Docker file. So you use a regular user to run your app in the container. 
Uh, doesn't mean your containers aren't running as root on the host. It just means they're running the app like Node or PHP or whatever. And that's, a, for, quite frankly, not on by default for probably good reason just to, for ease of use. But if you're going to production, that's probably the first thing I would do if I was you. And then, then start looking at things like Phil's user namespaces, which is a pretty great um, way to sort of, you turn on a setting in Docker per server, and it will then allow your containers to run as the non, a non-root user on the host. And so even if they're running root in the container, uh, when they leave, if they were to escape out of the container, they wouldn't be root on the host. And that's pretty great. Also, can't necessarily do everything with user namespaces. There are some cases where you have to have root and you can't lock it down with user namespaces. And then you might look at other things later, like trying to do rootless Docker. Um, I think for CI, that's for me, that's the most attractive option is to be able to do stuff in CI that I don't necessarily need root for. But cool stuff. Yeah, uh, I just I just pasted the uh, URL to the PR which got merged for it. Uh, so it has kind of a basic example where it shows how to run it as a rootless thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm sure there'll be talks a lot about that DockerCon. So if you're talk if you're going to DockerCon, I don't know if there's gonna be a rootless talk. But I, th um, I think in the open source summit in security, I think there is. Okay, so Thursday, Thursday yeah, DockerCon. Yeah, that would be cool. I remember seeing it there. And you've got the uh, Akihiro and Tanis will be there, so you have the masters of rootless. To uh, hopefully, if you can find them and ask your burning questions, the yeah, I'm sure Akihiro is speaking. Uh, so maybe his talk would include something about this. Yeah, maybe so. Yep. So uh, next question I see here, uh, Biker's back. Uh, always got good questions for us on the channel. Our IT people are freaked out by the huge number of critical CVEs reported by DTR, whereas Aqua reports almost nothing, just a few warnings. DTR reports everything. Aqua interprets the results. This is with fully updated images. So this seem to be error. So these seem to be errors that will never be remedied. It would be nice if DTR also gave us a what me worry commentary for things that can't be fixed. Um, yeah, asteroid. Oh, yeah, it needs to pray. <laughs> Helping me out with the asteroids. When it becomes a meteor, it's too late to blast. <laughs> it's an asteroid. Okay, good. Yeah, I think it's, is it a, is based on atmosphere, I guess. Uh, so, yes, asteroids, blasting. Actually, uh, not lasers, but... Um, a rocket as a bullet is basically, I think, what NASA's working on. So um, back to the DTR thing. So yeah, so that, uh, security scanning has actually been a good topic we've talked about several times on the show. And definitely something that it gets easier to scan your code and its dependencies once you're in container land. So if you're um, someone who has not fully invested in containers for CI/CD, that is a huge advantage is you can start doing easier things with your code and dependencies. Because since the dependencies come in the container, you can then scan that PHP install and that you know NPM install and stuff like that and Node itself, and you can get results back on that and not have to worry about it possibly being different in your continuous integration than in when it's on your production servers and all that. Um, but there are different engines, and so this is kind of like the antivirus world where there are different engines, there are different results, and you can actually find some good blogs on Medium. Actually, I think if you just search around on like Kubernetes, and Docker image scanning results and comparing different scanners. So they all show different things and have pros and cons. In fact, if you remember the antivirus wars, if, we, if you could call it a thing, there was a time where I remember buying a product that would run four different antivirus engines at a time on our email server from four different companies and then collect all those results and you know, use the, basically it had to like fail. You could set it to where it had to fail at least two of them or be caught by two so that you didn't have false positives. And I don't know if we're going to get to that in the image scanning, but um, there are different outputs of different tools for various reasons, different code, different goals. So I don't really have, I don't know if anyone here has any thoughts on DTR. I, I don't have thoughts on DTR, but this is actually a common thread. So I just did a whole heap of traveling and went around and showed a whole heap of people how to use Kubernetes. And one of the things that uh, really struck me was the question I got asked most was, what base image do I use? 
um, and they had no idea of the repercussions of the action of choosing like a full OS, Alpine, Scratch. If I use a dynamic language, if I use a compiled language, I actually just finished writing a blog post about this because so many people asked me about it. And I do reference some of the security scanning in the public, um, the public Docker Hub, which I suppose is DTR under the hood. Um, there is glibc vulnerabilities that are critical that won't be fixed. Um, but I write in the blog post, it's up to your business to know if that is something that you need to worry about or it's something you can remediate elsewhere or um, it is a showstopper for you. Um, I think it's good to have more information. It's just that I, I do understand it's hard to digest, like if it's going to be fixed, if it's not going to be fixed, how do you... Um, how do you write remediation and stuff like that? That's something that's dear to my heart because that's that's what I was doing another lifetime ago before I joined Microsoft was looking at security and, and a whole heap of other pieces around this. Um, but yeah, it's like a really good fundamental thing you should understand. If you're writing an application as a developer and you're choosing like from X or from Y, why you chose that. Um, and as you said, like before, if you're, if you're new to Docker, um, I definitely wouldn't go from scratch because like, it will be super hard for you to troubleshoot. Um, but there, there's a reason why you start with a full OS because like, it's got all the packages to troubleshoot. It's easier to get running um, and you'll get something done really quick. But then as you get better at Docker or better at containers, you can start looking at Alpine, um, looking at the difference between like a fat OS container and, and something that could be more slim. Um, and then look at things like multi-stage build and ripping out a whole heap of, of things uh, out of your build container so like you don't have code that you don't need in a, a production container. Um, but that's all on the journey. But yeah, a lot of people um, still ask that. That's the question I get asked a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jay, do you want to say something? Yeah. Uh, so on the scanning thing, uh, I was just working on a tool called, so I mostly work on Azure DevOps thing. So there is this... Um, plugin available within Azure DevOps, which is called White Source Bolt. And it helps you to scan your code itself. And so what I did is that uh, integrated into Azure DevOps this uh, plugin and ran a scan on the code itself and also ran a scan on the Docker image, which was generated and against the CV database in GTR. So it was kind of different uh, with the scan result what I got. Uh, but the cool thing about this uh, plugin, which is called White Source Boot, I will paste the link in the chat, is that it gives you even the remedies how it can be solved if a particular bug is reported in that list. Okay. Which is kind of missing on the CV scan in DTR right now. Right. Uh, did you have a link for that for chat? Yeah, yeah I'm just pasting it in the chat. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good tip. And uh, I mean, my, uh, my, my last tip, because I, I don't know specifically the internals of this uh, of biker's concern was, uh, and this is probably obvious, like the product teams at Docker, uh, like most product teams, most successful ones at least, they rely directly on customer feedback to build the new features and understand the priorities of what features they need. So definitely make sure that you're getting that back to them through ever what channels you have, whether it's your sales uh, account manager or through the support uh, there. Uh, I know that like captains and other community leaders, especially at DockerCon, get a chance to have a lot of feedback with people. They're going to be if you're uh, if you're at DockerCon, obviously there will be people at the booth for DTR and uh, Docker Enterprise, and you'll be able to talk to them and they can get that feedback back to them. But I don't think we're at the level yet. Like, this isn't Windows, right? Uh, where we our voices are just you know yelling into yelling into a forest. <laughs> uh, you know, Docker doesn't have yet a million. You know, or a billion different installs of this uh, product. So I think that every one of our voices carries weight, especially for using this product in production, and we're trying to use the tool. I think that they would really uh, appreciate that feedback from you, bikers. So if you're not able to find people to get that, by the way, you know how to get a hold of me because um, uh, he's in my Slack chat for my courses and stuff. So uh, ping me, and I can make sure that anything you're trying to get sent back to them on ideas for improvement and problems and that you're having, that I can get that back to them. So I don't have direct access to the people but i know people that know people most of them are on this ch on this chat <laughs> <laughs> um so but great question uh dtr if, if, if by the way it didn't 
if you don't know Docker Enterprise, DTR is the Docker hub for enterprises. It's a private registry you can store uh, inside your, either on any of the servers you control, whether it's in your data center or in the cloud. And it has advanced security scanning and other tooling built in out of the box. And when you buy the Docker Enterprise platform, that's one of the things you get. There's a question here, the age-old question. Docker Swarm and Kubernetes, both for orchestration question mark from SVK. This is always a good a good question. The um, so teaser. If you live near Berlin, or are and you're going to go to Berlin in the fall, I haven't actually announced it yet because it just went live last week. But I'm going to do a workshop. Finally, years years in the making, Swarm and Kubernetes deploy both understand the differences um that's really hard to do because either one of those workshops is at least a day if not two or three days the kubernetes one especially would be like a, a, the best kubernetes workshops are like two days long so to do one to do both in one day is we're gonna actually have to sacrifice like deeper learning but i think i think for as devops practitioners you should know in general, two different tools to solve the same problem, just so that you don't look at everything. The saying is, you know, when you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail or something like that. Uh, if you only know one orchestrator, everything looks like it could be solved with that orchestrator. And uh, whether it's ECS versus, you know, Kubernetes, whether it's one Kubernetes distribution versus Swarm or whatever, uh, I think eventually once you've learned one and you're using one, like go check out another one, try another one. And I think it'll change your perspective a little bit on different ways to solve these problems. Uh, and so this question, Scott, is also maybe the number one, if not top three questions I get on almost every YouTube Live, every Swarm talk I give, every workshop I give. Um, and it's mostly because people like Swarm when they see it and then wonder why no one talks about it because all everyone talks about is Kubernetes. <laughs> I think that's, the, yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I have a different, when uh, customers ask me, I, I always say, are you going for a host of Kubernetes solution or are you going for a run it yourself? If they say run it themselves, I'm like, how's your raft consensus? Right. <laughs> if they don't understand what raft consensus is, I'm like, yeah, probably go with Swarm. How, how because, deep is like, your team? Right, how deep is your yeah, team? Yeah, yeah, because like, I love Kubernetes, don't get me wrong. Um, I I pretty much spend my whole day working on Kubernetes, but it is, it is complex. And if you're new to containers, um, it can be a black vortex, if you, especially if you're hosting it yourself, that you're actually spending more time admining the cluster than you are um, actually giving like, any um, worth, worthwhile work to your, to your business. Like, there's no business out there that goes, I'm the best at running Kubernetes, except possibly one of the three big clouds because like, we, we, we sell it to you. And... Um, but there's no other business that like releases products that they're trying to sell for your business and goes, Hey, we run Kubernetes the best. Like that, that's just not a thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, as again, it's a learning curve, right? Swarms really quick to get something up and running. Um, you don't have to worry about raft consensus, uh, security. Some of the TLS stuff is the best stuff in the world, I think built into it. Um, but then if you want to go to more complex stuff around networking and stuff, then swarm sort of like is like, yeah not there. Um, but you'll never go, I don't think, from the beginning, hey, I need network policy from the beginning um, and go, oh, I can't do that in Swarm. Um, it's, there's a learning curve of everything. And I think like once you get to the higher end, of, especially around the stuff that I work on on the highly secure environments and things like that, um, some of the things in Swarm you just can't do on the networking side and it makes it difficult for regulated environments not to have fine-grained control over it. So yeah. then sort of Kubernetes comes in um, better there, but it's like, it's more complex. So you've got to weigh up what's the right tool for your business, like anything else. Yeah, it's like, uh, I like to sometimes look at the analogy that, um, I don't know if it was uh, Steve Jobs that said that uh, most people don't need a truck. So everybody drives cars and you need a truck and a few people need a truck and not everybody needs a full desktops. Most people can get away with a laptop, that kind of thing. And I look at it like a lot of people can get away with just doing swarm. Not everybody needs the truck, the, the, the big work truck, which is Kubernetes. Um, and, uh, you know, there's cost to it. Right. So, 
And I'm sure Phil would agree. Like the the one thing where Kubernetes is super in 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 fighting for um, if you go to the cloud is the integration points um, with other services that we have, um, which makes like I don't actually that often hear people anymore go swarm versus Kubernetes unless they're hosting it themselves. Um, it's more like okay, I'm going to a hosted platform. What are the integration points uh, of that platform? So how can I talk to other things like, so I'll be like Azure specific because this is what I live and breathe, but like, how do I connect to Cosmos DB? How do I connect to Azure functions? How do I do all this? And I'm sure Phil, you see the same in the IBM cloud world. It's like, how do we integrate our platform back into Kubernetes? And I think that that, that is the one thing um, that if you run Swarm yourself, um, you've got to jiggle a whole heap of that stuff together, which becomes a little bit tricky. Um, yeah. Uh, Josh is asking, when is my Swarm course getting updated? Any resources on Stalker Swarm and GCE or AWS? How do we get the nodes to join the Swarm automatically? Um, so the first question, Josh, uh, Swarm course getting updated. So the plan right now is I'm launching within days um, uh, Docker for Node.js and by DockerCon. That's uh, going to happen. And that's really if you're a Node.js programmer and you want to use containers, it's basically going to be the course for you. Uh and then after that, we're going to see some Docker Mastery and Swarm Mastery updates. So if you're in those courses, you'll see some of those. Uh, and then after that, Kubernetes course. Woot woot. All right. Uh, and then the other questions are resources on Docker Swarm in GCE or AWS. How do you get the nodes to join the Swarm automatically? So I don't know about GCE, but I'm sure it has the same similar concept as AWS as Cloud Init. So it's like a, basically when you start up a server, you can let it run something, and that's a script. And basically in there, you're just going to have the commands. Uh, the simplest way to do it is just have the commands that you would use to you know, install Docker and then do Docker Swarm join with the Swarm join key. And that would be like if you were doing auto scaling groups in AWS, that's how you would just put that stuff in there. And then when it brought up a new node, that node would then join the Swarm, uh, install Docker first, and then join the, install the Swarm components of Docker and then join the Swarm. So it's actually pretty easy, and so it's something that's so easy that it's really probably at the end of the day when you first start out, when you keep it simple, like three or four lines of shell script that uh, doesn't may not need a, a course or a video on it. So uh, I don't have any specific example because it's really just that. It's just typing the commands into a shell script. Uh, you can make it harder when you start dealing with manual subnetting and you want to control routes and stuff like that and split out the traffic for um, the different types of traffic that a container orchestrator has. That'll make it a little complicated, but other than that, that's 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 the gist. Um, anyone want to see anything else? No. Name of Azure. There uh, early in the uh, Docker channel chat, there was a how to scale DB containers. I think was the first question. Um, which uh, I feel like there's a I feel like there's a, always a Kelsey Hightower tweet for every situation, but <laughs> I I think he was recently um, saying you don't want to you don't want to go there. I mean, obviously the cloud providers are running databases at scale, and so if you're in the cloud, um, you know use I, anyway. I'm a cl cloud provider, so uh, this is my my opinion, but um, you know, let, let someone else run database at scale for you because there are a lot of hard problems to solve uh, there. But that may not be very practical advice if you're, you know, talking about something in a private data center or... So I don't know if anyone else has better advice on databases because definitely some tricky uh, issues there when we're talking about storage and distributed uh, components. Just do it. <laughs> Just do cloud databases. Don't do it yourself. It's not cheaper. Don't don't lie to yourself and think it's cheaper to run it yourself, unless you're a hobbyist, which then you know you do everything by hand. But uh, yeah, when in doubt, cloud out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you like should get a, that should be a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should be an Azure t-shirt. When in doubt, cloud out. Um, uh, I, <laughs> make that happen scott 
Um, <laughs> I'll go to marketing t- in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Print them by Dr. Khan. Uh, yeah. The... Um, I already lost my train of thought. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I'm looking through the questions. Uh, yeah, both for orchestration. I think, oh, I was going to say, I think someone needs to create a bot in chat that, you know, like we have the Giphy and the right GIFs and stuff in Slack where you can choose your GIF before you you post it. Uh, we should we need one for Kelsey Hightower tweets so that you can search <laughs> all his tweets for the topic. Uh, like we have for XKCD and like all these other things that there's just so much material. There's definitely one for every occasion. We need that for his tweets so that you can just like KH for the slash KH, uh, you know, DevOps is not, you know, DevOps utopia or something like that. And then there will be like five choices of tweets you can throw into a conversation and be like, meh, Kelsey said. <laughs> Someone's probably already done this, and it's probably already on the internet. So uh, <laughs> let us know in chat if you know about what we're talking about. Kelsey Hightower is a Google Cloud advocate, um, and he is uh, sort of talks all day about cloud and DevOps and um, and not DevOps, anti DevOps, no ops, whatever. Uh, serverless <laughs> no code. now. Yeah, now he's a serverless <laughs> fan. Um, yeah. It's funny. You could it basically. I think what he does is he puts his thoughts in 120 characters and then later they become really relevant and and they're they're perfectly timed but you can actually watch, follow his tweets over the years and you you see him evolving in his own mindset because he puts things out and then he rethinks his opinions and it's great cuz we don't all know everything we don't always we all change our minds constantly that's the name of the game here is everything is new tomorrow so you can't have the same opinion for very long um i uh and it in the time you were talking, I found the tweet, and I just posted it in the YouTube chat. Actually, the the second one in that short thread is the humorous rub some Kubernetes on your stateful workload. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah, on the screen. yeah, it's it's worth sharing because it I, I think it kind of echoes what we were just saying. It's you know if if you have the money to hire the SRE team to build that service for yourself, then that's the level of, uh, of care you're going to have to take to have uh, production yeah. ready database distributed systems. Yeah. And it's, and uh, said another way, uh, another Dr. Captain uh, once said that uh, as a consultant, he recommends that if you don't have three full-time DevOps, don't roll your own Kubernetes. Like, Use a distribution or use a different tool, use a cloud provided one, something like that. And when I say distribution, what we're talking about is Kubernetes is the underlying open source, but uh, nowadays it's getting packaged up into uh, ready made platforms like Docker Enterprise or OpenShift or Rancher or one of the cloud provided ones uh, that are obviously in those specific clouds. Those are all um, I would, what I'm going to call distributions of Kubernetes, kind of like we have distributions of the Linux kernel. Uh, that have different packages bundled with it. And that uh, that solves a lot of the management problems of Kubernetes and helps you not get into hot water, especially around security and uh, RBAC and controlling authentication and locking it down and all the ports and all that stuff. So we always recommend that first if you can do it because rolling your own is kind of like building your own Linux distribution for work because you think that's a good idea. You definitely need to have a full team of Linux experts in order to manage that long-term. Same thing for Kubernetes. Um, Yeah, good advice all around. So uh, it looks like we've run through most of the questions and we've been on here for a little bit over an hour. Sorry, everyone, for starting late. We had, as always, a new glitch this week with cameras and uh, not expected, so we had some troubleshooting and rebooting. Um, let me go around the room uh, and give everybody uh, where they can find you on the internet and uh, what you're excited about. Sujay. Uh, you, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Sujay Pillay. And I'm just about to complete my DockerCon presentation. I have a kind of a review tomorrow, still working on it and excited to be at DockerCon. Cool. Phil. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Estes P, so last name, first initial. In fact, I try and have that handle just about everywhere. And once the .dev domains got cheap enough, I grabbed estesp.dev 
and I try and use that as a launching point for where you can find me speaking, what conferences, you know, and then after the conference, links to slides and videos. So uh, feel free to find me there and um, on GitHub as SSP as well. And uh, yeah, excited to see lots of uh, great friends at DockerCon, meet some new folks, talk about open source. Yep. Um, um, okay. Um, Scott, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so I'm at Scott Colton. Uh, you can find me on the internet at most places as Scotty C. And uh, so GitHub, dev.to, Medium, and places like that. Uh, I'm excited for DockerCon because I missed EU. So it'll be good to catch up with everyone again because uh, it's been a while. So really excited to be going to San Fran. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>